0: Welcome to The Snooze Button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid sleeping isn't one. Hey, you guys. Welcome to another episode of The Snooze Button. I'm Brittany of Brittany and Sleep. Okay. First of all, thank you guys for bearing with me this summer. I've had two different weeks where we did encore episodes. Those were the two most downloaded episodes I've ever done. So I hope you enjoyed them if you didn't catch them the first time. But that's a summer thing, you know. Um, in the summer, we all have a lot going on. We're trying to relax. If you're a parent, you're probably not. And so, I needed two weeks where I didn't record something new that I could put those in. But we are back, baby. And I have a recording tomorrow, actually, with a really exciting guest. I know I say that every time, but I, I'm biased. I think my guests are exciting. I'm going to be recording with someone new. So next week's will be another guest episode of family who's Taking my course. But in the meantime. I wanted to talk today about one of the most common questions I get from parents who are interested in working with me but want to make sure they're doing it at the right time. And there isn't the right time, theoretically. So I want to talk about that. I get asked all the time, should I wait until XYZ or should I wait because of this or should I do it now because this could happen later and so I should do it now? What is the right age? What's the perfect scenario? So what I'm going to tell you is the earliest time you can do it, the hardest time you can do it, what not to wait for, and what to consider waiting for. When you are thinking about having a baby or a toddler, whatever, a child who is not sleeping well, and you want to make a change, and you want to do it at the right time, this is for you. High level, there is no perfect time. That's, that's your takeaway. But let's talk about the earliest. So the earliest, if you're working with me, baby needs to be 10 weeks old at least and weigh at least 11 pounds. Why is that that specific? At that age and that weight, we're looking at two different things, okay? The only thing that's happening when you're going through the sleep guidance process, right, because everyone, if people really like harp on like the amount of crying or the feeds and all of that, what we need is a baby who is big enough and old enough that they don't need to eat overnight their tummies are big enough that they don't need food overnight, so we can confidently night wean them, and they are old enough and developed enough that their moral reflex is diminished to the point that we don't want to swaddle them anymore, we want their arms to be free so that they can use them to self-soothe and to have access to them, okay? So at 10 weeks, we can feel confident that this moral reflex is diminished enough that we can move them to a sleep sack and at that age we want them in a sleep sack right between 10 and 12 weeks theoretically a baby could roll over many of them don't i understand that some of them don't give you good signs that they're going to though and they could just roll over in their sleep so by that age i want you out of the swaddle no matter what right and in order for this process to be fair and effective for a baby they need to have access to their hands right so at 10 weeks we can feel confident they're there same thing at 11 pounds if your baby's 11 pounds we can feel confident that if they have a great schedule and they're eating properly during the day taking full feeds, they won't need to eat overnight. Doesn't mean the first night that we're working together, the first night you're taking my course, they're not eating at all, but we can feel confident going through the weaning process. That's all that matters. It isn't really an arbitrary, like they need to be five months, like that doesn't, there's no like scientific backing to that, right? We're just focusing on access to their hands, they need that, and their weight They need to be at that place to not require food overnight, okay? So that's the earliest time you can do it. Obviously, you can be making improvements to your baby's sleep before that. If you've taken my newborn course or you're doing any other type of program, you know that there are things you can be doing at the beginning of life that are going to set you up for more success later on. But we're not going through the formal, you know, I'm sleeping through the night program until that point. To be clear, yes, I've absolutely had clients come to me with a 10-week-old who's already pretty much sleeping through the night. Maybe they have a dream feed or maybe their bedtime is 9 p.m., but they're going from, you know, 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. That's great, right? And if your baby's doing it on their own, more power to you. At some point, we don't wake up a sleeping newborn at night to eat. But that's the point at which I feel confident that any healthy baby can get there if their parents are ready, okay? So that's the earliest time. Now I will talk about the hardest time by far. And this is data from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families that I've worked with. Pre-toddlers and the fringe age around pre-toddlers are by far the hardest time to go through this process. So it is significantly easier to go through the sleep guidance process with a a two-and-a-half-year-old or a three-month-old than it is with a baby between 10 and 20 months old. 10 and 20 months is by far the hardest. And I am honest with those families when I'm with them. And I explain what we're gonna be doing, walk them through it all, and I tell them, this is a tough age, so it's gonna take longer than it would if we were doing this six months before or six months later. It's still the right time for that family in every case, but we have that expectation. Why that is? Because when you're in that pre-toddler age range, we are all stamina, all energy, not a ton of comprehension, right? When we're working with a 2-, 3-, year old we are talking to them about things. There's so much when you're in a plan with me or taking my course that goes into, like, the structure of your day, how we're communicating about sleep, how we're setting boundaries, right? At 20 months or younger, we're not quite at the place where they can comprehend those things. At the same time, at 10 months or older we have a lot more energy, a lot more stamina, and a lot more ability to push back on things, right? At the end of the day, if you're three, four, five, six months old, you're little, you need a lot of sleep, you're very tired, you are going to fall asleep, whether you like it or not, right? So it's within the age range where you have a lot more ability (laughs) to stay awake and to fight your parents, um, but not a lot of comprehension about what's happening, um, that it can be pretty tough. So that's the hardest time, that's the truth. So if you're thinking about do I need to wait for xyz so a lot of questions that I get around timing have to do with that like I'm exhausted I know my baby's not sleeping well but I think that this is happening should I wait so please do not wait for them to turn four months them to turn six months those are arbitrary you can wait if you want but they're arbitrary there's no scientific backing that something happens at either of those age ranges I think they're just the ones most commonly that people have heard so they think That is when I have to wait, okay? A theoretical regression, I hear that a ton. I will get exhausted families with three-month-olds, and they will say, we really want to do it now. We're ready, blah, blah, blah. But should we wait till after the four-month sleep regression? Don't even get me started on that. The answer is no. Um, Do not wait because they are having feeding issues or because they have dropped slightly on the growth chart. So I want to talk through each of those things and explain why. So I talked a little bit about the four and six months. Those are arbitrary ages that you just hear a lot that aren't really backed by anything. They're just what people have said and continue to say. So it's what a lot of parents believe they have to do. The theoretical regression. So here's the truth. Babies go through growth spurts all the time. Seven-week-olds can go through a growth spurt. Nine-month-olds can go through a growth spurt. There are absolutely ranges during which this is very common. Growth spurts are very common. For instance, at a year. Right? It's very common if a baby is doing great in all ways and then they suddenly go through this period where they're like really clingy to one of their parents. They're super fussy. They're resisting their naps, whatever it is. There's behavior stuff going on. It happens at 12 months. It's really common, right? But it could also happen at 11 months or 13 months. It could also happen and not impact their sleep at all. So the same thing is true around four months, which is why I I remember as a first-time mom, because people beat you over the head with this ridiculous four-month sleep regression thing, I remember distinctly holding Teddy, my oldest, who is now six, in my arms and he was like three and a half months and looking on my phone to find the date he was turning four months and like being like okay that's the day that like this is all gonna fall apart even though I really knew what I was doing and he was an incredible sleeper I was convinced that the day he turned four months like something this like thing was gonna happen to him spoiler nothing happened the truth is between somewhere between around three and five months there typically is a big growth spurt for most babies right but not for every baby does this impact their sleep. Plenty of them go through this growth spurt, they learn to roll, they might even if they're really advanced, they might like learn to sit up. Like who knows what's going to happen? But it doesn't impact their sleep. So we can't predict when and that could happen at 3 months, 4 months, 5 months, it can happen anytime. So the idea that you would like sit like I did naively and like wait for this specific date to do something is a fool's errand, right? Um, And like I said, for many babies, it doesn't even impact their sleep. So they're going through this growth spurt, and you don't even know. Of my three kids, I really only have one of the three who, as a younger baby, had their sleep impacted for, to be clear, for like three or four days when they would go through a growth spurt. The other two, there was none. It didn't impact their sleep at all. So we never want to wait for a theoretical regression. The other thing I'll often hear from parents is, Like, my baby's going through a sleep regression right now, so should I wait until after it's done? And what I tell them is, we don't have the data to support their going through a sleep regression until their sleep was great to begin with. And great to begin with doesn't mean great but with a bunch of sleep props. Great but I had to rock them to sleep. And great but they had two dream feeds, right? That's not great. And that's no no hate, no shade. You know, do what you want to do. But unless you have a baby who's already sleeping really well and independently they're going down awake they're connecting sleep cycles they have a good routine they have good a good schedule during the day they're taking full feeds all that stuff if they're there and then for no apparent reason they're not sick you're not traveling it's not time to drop a nap they just start sleeping terribly yes that could be a growth spurt that is impacting their sleep but in most cases that's, those aren't the families that are coming to me, right? It could be a follow-up client. Maybe they're like, we worked with you last year, and like, we think this is happening. Different story. But a family who comes to me with a four-month-old that says they're going through a sleep regression, and they lay everything out, I'm like, I, it could be, but they weren't sleeping great to begin with, right? So that's really the only way you could identify that, which is yet another reason why you would never want to wait until a theoretical regression passes. Because if I'm being totally honest, in most of those cases, It's really just that the baby is getting older and more alert, and now all those little tricks and things you were doing to get them to sleep aren't working anymore, and it has nothing to do with any type of regression. It's just that as they're getting older, they're going to need you to change what you're doing in order for them to sleep well, right? So the other one we don't want to wait for is because they're having feeding issues or dropping slightly on the growth chart, which I know might sound like a real hot take and Alarmist. Here is what I will tell you. I would say that about... 50%, Fifty percent, if not more, of my baby clients. So those are the ones between you know ten weeks and let's say six months, are having what their parents would describe as feeding issues. They are having trouble taking a bottle. They are. They think they have reflux. They think they might have colic. They um, they have maybe a cow's milk protein allerg- allergy. They just aren't eating enough, right? The doctor's like they should be having bigger bottles than that. They're not eating enough or they you know, they were in the 50th percentile and now they're in the 30th percentile, things like that and the parents are really frustrated about it. The truth is one of the reasons that when, when I'm working with clients in a plan, it is not just like here's their schedule, here's what to do if they cry. We talk about all of the feeding stuff. It's very important to me that, that we cover exactly when they're feeding, how, what a full feed looks like, everything that's happening in their day because these things impact each other. So if you have a baby that is really struggling with sleep there's a really good chance they're going to be struggling with feeding too. I mean, think about it. It That's their entire life, right? Like all they pretty much do is eat and sleep in, in those very early months. And if you think about this as an adult, like if you were sleeping terribly, how would your feeding be? You probably would be eating a lot of junk food. You wouldn't have time to cook or interest in it. You would just be grabbing what you could. You would be eating at erratic times because you're sleeping at erratic times, right? Like you, you're not getting the proper fuel that you need, the energy that you need. That can be, in some ways, like what it is for a baby. So what I see happen is magically, magically, who knew, these feeding issues go away because they weren't really, in a lot of cases, feeding issues. They were sleep issues that were impacting their feeding. So unless there's something very severe that a doctor is quite concerned about, I green light pretty much every family I'm working with to start the process, even if they're having those things. Because I know that once they're sleeping well, they're going to go away. And it's incredible to see. Of course, anybody with feeding stuff, we're clearing it with a pediatrician. Um, But oftentimes, that's the case. And the growth chart too, I'm going to do an entire episode just on growth charts because I think so many families spiral about them and I totally get it. I've been there myself, um, you know, in the early stages of motherhood. But you have to remember that they're somewhat arbitrary they also, especially if your baby's very young, we're talking within the first three, four months of life, if you, you think about like the difference between being in the 40th percentile or the 50th, it's like tiny ounces. It literally could be that the last time you came for an appointment, they had just had a full feed and were about to poop, and the next time you went, it was almost time for them to eat, and they just did a big poop. That could literally be the difference in like 10 percentage points. I don't know the exact you know, don't quote me on that. But you have to think about that. Like the, the there's just such a small difference in being at the top or the bottom in that stage in the early months of life. And babies grow at different paces, right? So one of the questions I always ask families if they're like, I don't know, we're a little worried because they were in the 60th and now they're in the 35th is I say, okay, for weight, but also where were they with their height and their head circumference compared to before? And like nine times out of 10, they're ahead of where they were before with height or they're ahead of where they were with head circumference. And we have to take that into account too. It's not going to be perfectly linear, right? They, they were growing in length, therefore not as much in weight that time, who knows, right? So again, what I will see happen in these cases outside of something very severe is that once they're sleeping well, they start eating well and those issues just go away. So I always ask families to like talk to the doctor and get more context around what variants they expect and what they deem acceptable. To me, there's a very big difference between a baby, especially if we're talking about like a three month old, who went from being in the 60th percentile to the 40th and one who went from being in the 90th to the 10th. That's a really huge difference, right? Like I said, I'm gonna do an entire episode just about growth charts, so I won't get too into the weeds on that. But if you're thinking about, okay, but Brittany, are there instances when you would wait? Yes. So times when I absolutely would consider waiting before you start the sleep guidance process is if there are any like serious medical issues for sure. In that extreme example I gave of like, they were in the 90th and now they're in the 10th, of course. If your baby is actively quite sick, right? Like don't come to me the day they get RSV, right? We know we're gonna have to wait until they're healthy. Not perfectly healthy, babies and kids get colds all the time, but something that's pretty serious. And if you have major life changes coming in the immediate sense. And this is especially true as kids get older. So, for instance, if a family approached me and said, Hey, we're moving in three weeks to a new house, and like we wanna go through this with our three year old, I would say, Let's get you settled in the new house. And like within a few weeks of you moving in, let's start it. Clean slate, new bedroom, new neighborhood, all of that. But like, let's not do it the week you guys are moving. That's a lot, right? I would not be doing it the same time you're potty training, right? That's another completely different, separate life change or like the week i had a, a client once it was actually siblings and they were like starting school i think one of them was starting kindergarten and the one was starting preschool that week and i was like no 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 let's wait like two weeks let's adjust to kindergarten then we'll start it right um or like you're going to be traveling that's a big one um especially again all of these things the older a child is the more they matter if i have a family like today i just got off the phone with a, a client who's going to nantucket in a couple of days for like the month or something that's fine. It's a three-month-old, it's not a big deal. But if it was a three-year-old who was, you know, afraid of their room, I would say, like, okay, let's do it when we get back from the trip, right? We're back in our home, we're back in our environment. So I do think those are times when you would think through. Or like if you had a new baby, right? If you had a baby yesterday, this probably isn't the time to start helping your toddler with sleep. Let's wait till we've, you know, we've settled in and gotten to know our baby first. So at the end of the day, like I said before, there is no perfect time. That's some good context for you, but the actual perfect time, the right time to do it is when you're ready and you're ready to commit. That's all. When you as the parents are like, what's happening right now is not sustainable. It's not working for us anymore. And we want to make a change and we're willing to stick with something new and commit to it. And that could be when your baby's 10 weeks old and it could be when you have a six-year-old. Okay. And that's fine. There's no judgment. There's no right or wrong there because if you go through this process before you as the parent are ready, you are not going to be successful because it's hard, it's hard work. It takes consistency and it takes trust, right? And it takes a learning mindset and the ability to conceptualize that your child isn't a bad sleeper, um, that they just need to learn something new. And until you're at that point, it's gonna be really hard. So it's when you are there, that is the perfect time to do it. And it doesn't matter how good or bad the sleep situation is, if anything, I wish more people came to me before they were at their absolute wit's end. But I also totally get it. I think that's when a lot of us decide to make a change, right? You kind of hit rock bottom in something and you're like, okay, this isn't working. Now I need to seek help. But if you're in kind of the in-between place where things aren't working, but you're not quite ready to totally throw in the towel and, you know, jump off a bridge, do it then. Do it before you're at your wit's end because I, you know, I feel terribly for those parents when they're like, are you sure you can't do it today? I'm like, no, there's a wait list. Um, I don't want you to be one of those people. So I hope that gave you some good context as to when to start this process. No perfect time. It's when you are ready. And I will see you guys next week for another lovely episode, a guest episode. And I hope everyone is having a wonderful summer. Toodles loving the snooze button be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and please leave a review I will read it and internalize it so make sure it's very glowing if you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on instagram at britneysheehan sleep